This is week one of a new sermon series entitled Accepting the Call. Uh, the picture is up on the screen uh, to let us see uh, a graphic in this message series. And for the next five weeks, we will be embarking on a journey, an actual scriptural journey, together in a new sermon series entitled Accepting the Call. Christians have been searching for and accepting the call of God on their lives for the past 2,000 years. We have to start with this preconception that the question is not, is God calling me? The question is, am I accepting his call? In a world and in lifestyles full of busyness, God's call, as shown on the graphic, broken down into four parts that we're going to study and then the last part will be a great culmination of all of these number one remind me everybody say remind me number two send a text message to someone so we can click that message button and let them know explaining why I cannot accept the call number three is decline down there in the right-hand corner. And the last green button is accept the call. So we have some options that God has given us in our free moral agents as humans. As he designed us in his image, and he didn't design robots, he designed humans. He formed Adam out of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils, and life came into Adam, who was a dust ball prior to that breath, the Spirit of God. And in that, he designed us in his image, and in his image is a will. And we have a will in our life to decide what our desire is for our own existence. Sure, he is calling all of us to salvation. I can guarantee you that. Scripture is very clear that it's not his will that any perish, but we would all come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would accept him to be our Lord and Savior. It's not his will for any human to spend eternity in hell. God gets no enjoyment from humans deciding to go to hell to live their existence in eternity. He designed you for heaven. Look to your neighbor and say, you look heavenly to me. Amen. You look heavenly to me today. And whenever it says that he designed us and he created Adam in his image, we are also descendants of Adam, so we are created in God's image. That is meant to say that we should look and act like God. Amen? I hope and pray that our lives as Christians, and especially for people here at the bridge, if you call this church your home church, I hope and pray that whenever we interact with our society and our culture and our neighbors and our community, that people will say that the people of the bridge are a very godly kind of people. Amen? They are compassionate. They are caring. They are empathetic. They are uh, uh, people that will come to rescue those that are struggling and have issues and have some faults and failures and, uh, because that's what God did. He sent his son into this world that is dying in chaos and he sent his son Jesus who was perfection and sent him here as a perfect agent to come and represent himself to this earth. And Jesus said it's more beneficial that I go away because the Holy Spirit is coming and he's going to empower you to be my witnesses in Judea, in, in Jerusalem, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Empowered by the Spirit. And whenever we accept the call of God in our life and salvation in our life, we are accepting God's Spirit to come and dwell within us. And the Bible says that his spirit will quicken our mortal bodies. That means this flesh that we have on today is quickened by the spirit of God. He takes possession of. He inspires. He encourages. He strengthens us in our existence. And as we look at this screen so thankful for the creative team that put this together to help us 
uh, picture this sermon series in a snapshot because we're all used to our smartphones and their addictive nature. Amen? I talk to a lot of people and they'll, you know, I can't believe these smartphones and these people with these phones and blah, 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 blah. And they're all going about that and the next thing you know they pull this out and start. Amen? Or oh me, that's your two options. We point our finger at everybody else and at the same time, we use them ourselves. That's called being a hypocrite, I do believe, of having judgment of others that we're not willing to obey ourselves. These things are very, very addictive. And I know that there is sociological impact that's happening because of these, that society is changing and shifting because of these devices. I'm not unaware of that. I understand that. I try to study that. I try to look at it from a, a perspective of, of all-inclusiveness. And a smartphone is only as smart as the operator. Amen. Now, I don't want you to look around or act like that you're hearing or looking at anybody else here today. I just want you to think about this for yourself. How many know some dumb people with a smartphone? <laughs> huh? I know some dumb people with a smartphone, me being one of them. Amen. How many, how many struggles with your smartphone? Just a raise of hand right now. Every now and then you'll run into something and you're trying to do something and it won't work the way you want it to. And usually it's right in the moment when you really needed to do what you know that it's done before and then you're trying to click something and the screen freezes and, and then you get all flustered and then you get mad and then, you're, then your neighbor or somebody comes up to you and says, well, what, what, are you, what are you dealing with today? Well, nothing, just a smartphone. Then we blame the dumb phone that's titled smartphone. But we can understand this smartphone and I want us to use it as our experience here through this sermon series to see that it can give us a little bit of insight and use its smartness into our spiritual life. And there's been great debate about all, of, all throughout history about the what spiritualism is and there's all kinds of religions and there's all kinds of thought processes and people with different ideals about what is spiritual and what is not spiritual. There's great debate in any topic that you want to pick up. Amen? If you don't believe me, just start talking to somebody and listen to what they think and then have an opposing view of them and then start in debating you'll find out pretty quickly that most people are not very good at debating. I'll be the first one to raise my hand. Why? Because in debating, I get angry. Amen? Has anybody ever been in a debate? Maybe it's with your spouse. I, and and tension, it doesn't rise, does it, in a, in a great debate with your spouse? You, there's no tension. There's no you know, a little passion or nothing like that. It's just very calm and we're just, well, I can't believe, Leslie, you acted that way. <laughs> That's the way I picture myself saying it when she's hearing, I can't believe you acted that way. Because her listening and my speech is two different things. We have to pay attention to what others are saying. And sure, there's body language. And sure, there's a thought process of all historical documents that you've got stored in your mind of everything she said before. And men are better at that than or women are better than that than men, amen? Anybody ever got into a discussion or a debate with your wife? We won't call it argument, I know. It's just church. We've got to be very cautious here. But debating with your wife and Earl, I don't know, did she ever bring up things? Well, I can't believe 10 years ago you did that Earl Brown. And no, that never happened, hasn't Amy? She's sitting there like, yeah, maybe I did do that. I don't know. Earl, Earl can't remember what he done yesterday. How are you going to bring up what he did 10 years ago? That's not going to work. That's not a good debate process. You need, to, you need to change your way of debating.
But here's the deal. I believe that God has been speaking. And I believe that God continues to speak. And I believe that God is continuing to debate with us in our spiritual nature of who we are as spiritual beings. You're not just a physical body. You're just not a mind, a will, and emotions, emotional person. You are a spiritual person. We're made up of three parts. The Bible is very clear about that. We can have a body. We can have a soul. But we also have a spirit. And we need to condition all three to align with God's word. Amen? That I don't want to just worry about my physical body and take care of my physical body. There's some people that's so caught up, Elizabeth right here, is so caught up with her physical body and working out and, you know, CrossFit. And she outrun me in the 5K. I'll give her that one. But she's had more practice than me. It's not fair. That wasn't a fair run. I'm glad that they put us, American put us in age groups where that I could win. It's one participation or participation trophies, you know. Nothing wrong with that. A good ribbon around your neck. Anybody 45 years old? I don't know if I needed to be running, but I tried real hard, and Ricky pushed me all the way through. Derek, I appreciate Ricky being down there saying, "Yeah, let's go. We can run one more block." No, I can't. Yes, you can. <laughs> I'm just glad it wasn't Letty. Letty usually outruns Ricky when it well, other than the bicycle race. That, uh, Rick tells me about. But our spiritual bodies is something that we need, and our spiritual being is something that we need to understand. And in this spiritual world that we're living in, whether we recognize it or not, that God is spirit. Scripture says that, that God is spirit. And we need to understand that in his spiritual aspects, he wants to impact our spiritual lives. But in talking about calling and answering the call of God, the spiritual call of God, I want us to read some verses to put this into context. And we'll read this this, this week, but next week we'll be uh, referring to it, but not reading it in its entirety. Ephesians 4, so if you take a notes, write this down. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to start at verse 1. This is Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. This is the church that he had founded. He had stayed there and pastored and uh, brought it into existence. He was the founding pastor, the way Sister Gartha was the founding pastor. Her and Brother Tom here at the bridge, uh, also formerly known as the Bethesda Church. And uh, they have a deep love for something you birthed, just the same way that parents love their kids. So Paul is writing back to the Ephesian church here, and he says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Everybody say, you've been called by God. And what I love about this is it's past tense. You have been called by God. It's not that you will be called by God or you are being called by God. It's you have been called by God. So that's how I started this sermon series out to say, it's not, is God calling? It's, have I accepted the call? So the picture on the screen is real time, has always been there in your life, and is continuing even into today. This very second, God has this image, and he's embranding it in your mind at this moment to let you understand, what are you going to do now that I have called you, I am calling you, and I will continue to call you. Because the Bible says that God changes not. If he has called you, he is calling you. And if he is calling you, he will call you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Hebrews explains that to us. God is not going to change. We shouldn't expect that, okay, when I hit answer, decline, remind, or message... That it's just puts it over with and I don't have to deal with that no more. This call is continuous. Unending. He will not give up. He pursues us. How many knows what I'm talking about? Can you sense in your life and know that God is pursuing you? It's like he's chasing you down. Whenever you get into an environment that he's told you before, don't go there, don't do that, don't say that, don't act like that. And then when you get in the midst of that again, his voice rings true in your head and the call is there telling you, be different. 
Come out from amongst them and be you different, says God. So as we look at this, understand that as Paul is telling the church there at Ephesus, you have been called. Verse 2, I love. Always be humble and gentle. Wouldn't that be a nice church? Two people agrees with that. That would be a nice church, wouldn't it? A church full of humble people. Not full of proud, boisterous, but humble people. Be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for others' faults because of your love. Verse 3, make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Everybody say, I need some of that. For there is one body, one spirit, just if you've been called, you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. If you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, his beloved son, and the sacrifice he made on the cross of Calvary, and you have accepted him in your heart and said, I plead my sins in this case of Christ that he hung on the cross so I didn't have to, I accept him to be Lord, then Jesus comes and dwells within us. Christ in you, the hope of glory, as scripture says. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God living through us can impact our city, our county, our community, our region, our state, our nation, our world, if we will allow, if we will accept this call. Verse 7, however, he has given each of us a special, special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led the crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that he says he ascended. This is clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. I love this place, but I can't wait to get out of here. It's kind of like when we're teenagers and we just say, I can't wait till I graduate. I'm leaving Lewis County and I'm never coming back. I'll just let, you know. Then I did that. I went to Greenup County for a while. I lived in Bell County. I've, I've been around. And full circle, I come right back here. And now, in my elder age, there's nowhere else I want to be. I love this place. But I understand that this place is not my eternal home. Amen? I'm going to live out the remainder of my days looking for the inheritance known as heaven. The kingdom of heaven is where I seek to dwell. Amen? That my eternity will be with Christ and with God, the Heavenly Father. And to see all the pictures that we are explained in Revelation. This is a lowly world. That means it's lonely. That means there's bitterness. That means there's strife. That means there's dissensions. That means that all the things that we are experiencing is nothing new. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. And we can always talk about how bad today is. But it's always been bad ever since Adam and Eve took of that fruit. And they were cast out of the Garden of Eden. And they come into this place known as this world that we're living in today. Amen. Because the enemy looks to kill, steal, and destroy. Adam didn't have to work prior to that. Work is bondage and that's okay. We have to do that because that's one of the penalties of Adam's sin. Verse 10, and the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. He descended here in this lowly world, was dead, buried, and raised again on the third day, and then he ascended. And when he ascended, it says here that he filled all of eternity and all of existence the heavens and the entire universe with himself. It's amazing where you will find God when you look for him. Sometimes we say that God can only be found in a church house and we look 
forward to coming and being together as Christians. And we look at that to see that God, I want to go and meet God today. But there's people in the room here with us today that's told me before that I don't want to go to church to look for God. I want to bring God with me so that others can experience what I experienced this week. There's multiple people in this room that I can think of right now that says that. I want to bring God with me because he indwells in my heart. And when I walk in the room, the room needs to change. Why? Because God walks in that room through me. But we can't go in acting like the enemy and expect God to show up. Jesus said the entire universe is filled with himself. Now these are the gifts of Christ that he gave to the church. A church should have gifts. And the gifts of the church are this, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. This is a very well-known verse in the Bible. The five-fold gift of ministry that is called in your study of God. It's known as theology. That is the study of God. God gave these five-fold gifts of ministry, and some people get them confused. Some people interact and intertwine them, and sure, people can possess more than one of these gifts. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. If God gave five gifts, he wants five gifts present. An apostle is somebody that births things and brings things into existence that was not there before. So I label this title to people like Sister Gartha that lived here in Lewis County, had uh, moved up to uh, Ohio for a season of her life. Her children were born. Next thing you know, uh, lose their job. They come back here to Lewis County, uh, just right across the street over here, build them a house. Tom goes to work at Gravo, and the next thing you know, she's... Uh, regretting and, and thinking back and remembering the good old days of, of uh, her pastor in Ohio and loving the gift of ministry in a community. And she attends the church down in Orangeburg for a while. She goes to the Methodist church downtown for a while. And she isn't experiencing God the way she had before. And she says, I desire to see a church in its fullness Planted, and she plants this church. Sister Betty, my mother, several others were involved in that endeavor, and here we are today setting enjoy the fruits of their labor. She's apostolic in that function. Pastor Wells, uh, one of my, uh, he is my pastor, my one and only pastor, and I have multiple other mentors and guides and leaders and all these other things, but Pastor Wells is my pastor. And I love it when he comes and and uh, shares his heart with you guys because you get to experience what I grew up in in my baby days of faith. He impacted my life. He's an apostolic in a way that he sent out so many uh, uh, ministers from out from underneath his ministry that he, he didn't just hoard up a bunch of preachers inside of his congregation. He would uh, rear them up and, and encourage them and strengthen them, guide them, disciple them, teach them, equip them, and then he would send them out to go plant churches. And today over 20-some pastors of churches in our surrounding area came out of Pastor Wells' ministry. That's apostolic in its nature. The prophets. We need a prophetical voice in our day and in our hour and in this season of our life. A prophet is someone that speaks the oracles of God. Whenever they speak, things happen. I look forward to the days of where a prophetical voice is coming out of the bridge church of people that walk out and begin to decree things and declare things and openly speak things and it comes into existence. Amen? That we can walk into a community and where we begin to believe and speak and talk and act and live out that things change in our culture, in our society. Amen? Not that we're bickering about it, not that we're complaining about it, but that we're speaking the oracles of God that's shifting things in the spiritual. 
The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and things present. Not, not here, not in this physical world. This is a spiritual dimension I'm talking about. And if we would accept the call of God on our life, I don't know how many prophets are sitting amongst us today, but I assure you this, that God is calling us, step up, step out, and do what I've called you to do. The evangelists are people that knows how to share the gospel in a way that's undeniable. I've done, I've performed in, in, this, in this arena one time and I, I went to a church and it was full of youth and, and, and people asked me, uh, the youth pastor asked me to come and speak and as I went in there I went in with this evangelistic mentality and mindset of thinking I hope and pray somebody hears what I'm going to say today. And there's a young lady, I believe it was soccer that she was, that she was in. And that day at the soccer meeting, she invited her friends to come to that meeting that night for a youth group. She encouraged them to come. Come with me to youth tonight. The team was there. Dozens of kids gave their life to Jesus that night in that room by hearing the gospel message. We need some evangelists in our culture. We need some evangelists in our church. These five-fold ministry is there because God wants us to understand him in ways that we haven't before. All five of these are important. And the pastors, the next one up, number four. Some people think this is preachers. And I love Chris Hodges' message down at the Church of the Highlands a few weeks ago. I listen to those podcasts weekly. If you don't, I encourage you to listen to him. Pastor Chris is an awesome uh, preacher and an awesome pastor of a church, a great church. They've got about 50-some thousand members. They're in every prison in the state of Alabama on a weekly basis, whenever their live feed like we're doing here and some people's watching online today. I'm glad we can do that, amen. I thank God for the ability to do that. When their church does that, it streams into, the message streams into every prison, state prison in their state. He pastors in a great way. And he talks about, you know, when he moved to Alabama from Louisiana, that people would come over to him and say, how you doing, preacher? He said, I'm not a preacher. I'm a pastor. God called me to be a pastor. Some people call him preach, you know. Hey, don't preach. No, I'm a pastor. And he goes through, the, just a few weeks ago, he went through this whole sermon about how that every one of us are preachers. I've known this before, but when he brought it out, it's like it enlightened in my heart to say that, yes, this is true. That every one of us, as a saved individual, are called to preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This little light of mine. Come on, anybody go to Bible school in this place? I know you're all adultish and too big to do that, but okay. Right? I won't hide it under a bushel, no. I'm going to let it shine. That story is telling little kids, you're allowed to talk about God. And preaching about God is proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. How many knows that that is good news? Jesus coming to this earth and paying for the, sin, the penalty of sin was good news. Was it good news for you? When you was living in your sin, and, and I don't know whether you come to know God in a church house or on your lawnmower or driving down the road listening to some evangelist on the radio. If you come to know God and the good news of Jesus Christ, you could feel the weight shifting off of your shoulders, the lifting off of your shoulders, and you knew in an instant, man, things just changed for me. We're all preachers, but this pastor is something different than a preacher. This is somebody that equips the saints that we'll turn and listen to in a minute. But then also there's teachers, and I enjoy 
listening to teachers. And some people uh, talk about, you know, in, in pastors, they'll say, well, he's a good preacher, or they'll say he's a good teacher. And some people's got a mindset about that to say, well, I want my preacher to, to preach hellfire and brimstone and only uh, call them to repentance every week. Then there's other people who say, well, I like good teaching, and I'd like to come sit down and hear some good teaching every now and then so that it equips me to do the work of the ministry, and I like a little of both. I understand those things. But the gift of teaching in a church, I think in, if you study church history, you'll see that there have been times where that Sunday schools and, and different things and there's different uh, people will come through and they'll, they'll uh, teachers will come in and, and one of them, you know, like Joyce Myers and, and different teachers in their approach to things. There's teachers here today that's over there with your kids in nursery and we say this often where we get together as a leadership team that it's not just a daycare center that we're having over here for your kids today in nursery. When your kids go into children's church, we're not just creating a daycare while you can come in and sit down and hear the word of God. Albie and Dusty lead those teachers and they encourage those teachers to go in there and pray with those little babies. Amen? To instruct them, to give them a little insight. And, and I love hearing the lessons whenever I ask some of the kids, you know, what did they teach today? Sometimes it's just a very simple little thing. But in the mind of a four-year-old, that's a beautiful thing in a church to teach the kids. The Bible tells us to do that while they're young. And when they're old, they won't walk away from it. We should have teachers amongst us teaching what we learn to others. And the gift of that is something that God gives. Verse 12, their responsibility, these fivefold gifts of ministry. Verse 12, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Verse 13, because some people says, you know, that parts of these are not there. Verse 13 is this, this will continue. Some people say, well, apostle, the last apostle died when Paul died. The end of the apostolic age, they call it. And they'll say that these things are over. Verse 13, this will continue. Everybody say continue. Just like God's call is continuing, his giftings are continuing today in our church. He has not gave up and said, well, I'm just going to throw the towel in. The devil wins. God's not doing that. He's still actively involved, engaging with our community, with our society, with our church to say he's going to build a better world for us. This will continue until we all come to such unity. <gasps> unity. Wouldn't that be beautiful? In a world divided. In a country divided. In a county divided. And sometimes even cities are divided. And sometimes even homes are divided. Sometimes even families are divided. The enemy wants us to fall short of the glory of God. Because God is calling. And he's trying to silence that voice of the call of God in our business. Do you hear what I'm saying? How many feels too busy? Anybody here feel too busy? Not enough hours in the day? I seen your post this past, Megan. It just, life is hard. God wants us to measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Because in this, verse 14, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so they cleverly, they sound like the truth. 
Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, and each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So often when I talk to people, when they begin to start coming to the Bridge Church, they talk about how that our church is full of love. That they can sense and feel and know that God loves me, and I can tell that there's people in this room that loves me. I hope that never ends. Don't you? That's who he's equipping us to be, is a very loving, humble, patient, gentle people. So that's a great interlude to our sermon series. So for the next two minutes, I'm going to talk about this first button on the top on the right-hand side. Remind me. Everybody say, remind me. So in talking about remind me, this is something we hit on our phones, and I've done this before, remind me, so that it puts it on the calendar so I'm reminded later to call somebody back. Because in my busyness, during a meeting I'm in, I don't want to be disrespectful to those that I'm in a meeting with doing things on my phone, right? So I'll hit this really quick, and I'll put it over to say remind me later because I don't want to forget. How many don't want to forget? How many knows it's disrespectful to forget? So we'll hit this from time to time. And whenever I see that, a reminder. But sometimes the reminder comes, and then I'm too busy again. Come on, somebody. It's like, remind me is a reminder to remind me. And it becomes so normal, after a while, it just gets lost in the chaos. Amen. So when you drove into church this morning, I want to I show of hands and, and tell the truth. I, I don't want any liars in the Bridge Church. <laughs> How many noticed the position of the flags in the parking lot here this morning? Was it at full mast? Was it at half mast? Did you even see it? Anybody? What is it then? No, is it full mast? Is it half mast? That's the wrong answer. You can guess your way through it, but usually you fail test that way. Amen, teachers? The flag was at half mast today. Does anybody know why? Because it was declared as a nation as a proclamation and the president has the authority to do that to the American flag the governor has the authority to do that to the state flag because they're elected to those positions and the proclamation of why that flag is half mass today is because it's national peace officers memorial service so every one of the people that stepped up to the plate and offered their careers to defend freedom and take care of society and it's our cops it's our sheriff it's all those that gave their life in the line of duty protecting us they did that proclamation in recognition of their death in the line of duty. 
You see, that was a reminder that's put there so we remember. But how too often is it that we just become so busy in life that we just head into church the last minute or come in an hour early, some of you, and had no idea or didn't even notice a proclamation was made about life and death. And I'm not putting you down. I'm just saying that's the way we all are spiritually. I'm just using this as a natural thing to show us spiritually how we are. We're unaware of what's being proclaimed to us because of our busyness. And I beg you, as your pastor, I'm begging you. Slow down. Not that I'm asking you to do less. I'm saying be more aware. And allow God's voice to permeate our brain and our heart. So that he can remind us on a continuous basis. Because this call that he's placing on our life. He wants to remind us. That's what this sermon series is here for today. He wants to remind you. I love you. I cherish you. I've called you to a good purpose. Accomplish that which I set you out to do. He's faithful, church. He's faithful. He's true. How many likes it whenever you remind your kids to do something? Jodon, whenever you ask them to maybe a household task or something and look at them sitting there smiling, giggling, shoulders bouncing. It's no fun, is it? Reminding and reminding. Because once you remind them once, okay, I told you to take the trash out, Haley. And then it goes on another week, and you just let it set up in the garage and forget about it, and everybody's too busy. And then next time Joe Don walks out there, the trash is still there from last week. And not, you know, Rick didn't come by and get it, or what, whoever it is, your trash man. Next time you say, now, now I told you, Haley, to get that trash out there by the parking lot, right? I, I need you to get that out there. Okay, Mama, will. Then in busyness, she forgets, right, again. How many weeks would you let that go on? I'd say by about week three. There'll be some feathers flying. <laughs> Week one. <laughs> yeah, because trash stinks, doesn't it? God is asking us over and over and over and over. And a lot of times it is to do the same thing. But he is so much better than us. He don't berate us. He don't talk down to us. He's not mean to us. He don't raise his voice at us. He comes back the same loving father that he's always been, and he says, and I can assure you, if you've been in church any time at all, he has told you before to slow down. Take it easy. I didn't mean for life to be this hard. He's asking you today. He's reminding you today. Do that. This was about a third of my notes. We'll get to those next week. I believe there's a calling on the individual in the church. And I believe there's a calling on the church. And I believe there's a calling on the church as a whole, a global church. And the beckoning call is this, that we studied about a few weeks ago that there's, you know, a little over 2 billion people known as Christians on the planet Earth, but there's 7 billion people living here. That means there's 5 billion people on the planet Earth that don't know him as their Lord and Savior. He's calling us today to make a difference in our world you have people in your family you have people in your town 
We have people in our communities that don't know God that we come into contact with almost on a weekly basis. And he's calling us to spread his good news. You're all preachers. If you would, let's stand. in the room today and you don't know Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life if you never accepted him today would be the perfect day to do so and I encourage you to do so I did that back in October of 1999 walked into a church where I didn't know one soul sat down in the back listened to Pastor Wells preach left the church Drove down the road, turned around, and went back hoping somebody would be there because I knew God was calling me. And some teenagers hung around for a minute, and they prayed with me at an altar of prayer. And I accepted Jesus to be Lord of my life, and it's been radically transformed ever since. Today is a good day to give your life to God. If you don't know him, I encourage you to do so. Don't make it complex. Don't make it too overwhelming, it's very simple. All you have to do is accept him to come in and be Lord of your life, to take your sins and remove them as far as the east is from the west. And the Bible says he will do so. It says that he will save all those that call upon him. So all you have to do is openly confess with your mouth that you're a sinner in need of saving. That you need Jesus Remove the barriers in your life and tell him you want to live in heaven with him forever and he'll make sure that that's the case. God, I pray right now that every heart that's in this room, that as your Holy Spirit is ministering to them, and God, that there's people here that don't know you as their Savior, God, that you, as your Holy Spirit is beckoning on their heart's door right now, that you would give them courage strength, oh God, to accept you as their Lord and Savior, and that they will proclaim that, proclaim that in this hour, in this minute, in this season of their life. Give them the strength and the courage to do so, that only you can. I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody keep your heads bowed, eyes closed. Is there anybody here today that say, that's me? Today's my day. I'm accepting him to be the Lord of my life. I'm proclaiming him as my Savior. Is there anybody here today that that's you? You want to just lift up your hand and raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want Jesus to be my Lord. Anybody here? God is knocking on your heart's door. He's asking you right now to lift your hand. Anybody here? weighed down with the things of this world and you want some freedom today in this place and you're tired of being in bondage he's giving you the courage right now and he's your heart is about to beat out of your chest and he's telling you come unto me all that you labor and heavy laden and I will give you rest for your souls is there anybody here you feel him right now your heart is beating you know this is for me he's calling me right now don't wait another day Today is the day of salvation. Just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Anybody here? another call that I want to give out to the church right now is for those in this room today that this message has been speaking to you and you know in your heart right now that you can sense that God is asking you to stop putting him off. He's called you and he said stop putting me off. Quit saying remind me. You're asking for forgiveness in your heart right now and you're saying God I no longer want to postpone your calling on my life, but today I'm willing to accept and walk into the destiny that you've created for me. Is that you? Just lift up your hand right now in this room. Amen. 
Amen. Thank you for those hands. Anybody else? Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for all that you're doing in this place today. Help us through this message series, oh God, for those that are watching online. God, those that have missed church this week, then will listen to the podcast. God, I pray right now as somebody may be listening, uh, driving to work in their car right now. God, I pray. God, give them a peace that passes understanding that only your word talks about and describes, oh God. For those that are too busy, God, I pray today that you would condition them. And God, make a way where there seems to be no way. And for the weight of this world that's sitting on their shoulders and they're overwhelmed, God, by the life that they're living. God, I pray today, cause a peace to come into their car even this minute, oh God. For those that are in the auditorium right now, I was thinking, man, God, help me to not be busy. Help me to recognize you. Remind me, God, just as they talked about that flag. Help me to see the beauty of your creation. Keep calling us, oh God. Calling us to repentance. Calling us to ask for forgiveness. Calling us to ask to do your work on this planet Earth. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Dusty is going to come and give us a few um, words of wisdom before we're dismissed. Awesome. In a room full of people accepting a call, it's an amazing thing. If we would do that as a church, think about what this county would really look like. If we would just accept that call. So I just want to do a really quick blessing for you guys and then we'll go, okay? So Father God, thank you for these awesome people. God, I ask that you bless each and every single one of them, God. Father, give them encouragement, Father. Give them an emboldened spirit that allows them to answer the call instead of ignoring it. Father, help us to respond to your Holy Spirit. We love you, God. We thank you. And we ask that you continue to bless our church, bless our people, bless our county, bless our cities, our homes, our schools. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Guys, go be blessed. Have a great, great, great week and answer the call this week. You're dismissed.